You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Very excited to talk about lead in drinking water and some uh, great efforts and program that's underway in DC to address this. I'm joined by John Dagnan. He is Lead Free DC Program Manager with DC Water. John, how's it going? Going well. Yeah. Uh, thanks for inviting me. For excited sure. Excited to be here. For yep. sure, for sure, it's good. Uh, we're, everyone's doing lots of uh, chatting on video these days, so we're very accustomed to this. Um, oh, I want to start, I guess, with a little bit of w the context of the situation in D.C. You know, what's what's kind of the history and and the current status of of lead lines in D.C. Yeah. Um, so we were discussing a little bit before that you're from you're from the area, but for uh, for those who aren't familiar with uh, D.C. DC Water, we distribute drinking water to about 700,000 residents in DC um, and across eight wards. So that's the main political um, denominations for, for the district. Um, so DC Water, we're an independent authority, ratepayer funded, uh, follow laws set by the district council, which I'll be discussing. Um, and our EPA Region 3 is our primary regulator. So Currently, I, I manage the Lead Free DC program, which is Mr. Gaddis, our general manager and CEO, his initiative to eliminate all lead lines in Washington, DC. So I uh, manage the strategic effort to expand our capabilities to do so, and a couple of the uh, multifunctional teams that are running our lead replacement programs. But for the current status, uh, we have about 10,000 known lead service lines in public space and about 21,000 known lead service lines on private property according to our inventory um, additionally it's about 15,000 unknown on both sides um, and 10,000 brass service lines and a little less than a thousand galvanized but so we have um, we have we have a we have a pretty solid inventory uh, based on our historic records but that's where things stand currently yeah, that's interesting. Fifteen thousand unknown. So you're estimating that there's probably there's this many lines out there. We're not sure where they are, right? And that's right. Like, that's something that kind of would have to be discovered as construction happens or certain water projects happen. You'll be like, oh, here's one of those fifteen thousand. Kind of then you can get it mapped. Exactly. Yeah. We so we're you know basing this on uh, our our some of our records are historic, and I like to bring this out when I go to the public meeting so people really understand like a an old tap card from the from the early 1900s where I could like this is some of the records um, and then of course we do have excavation and construction data but as you know you you touched on the only way to know for certain that you have a lead service line is if you dig and you see and you visually inspect that lead service line um, so with those 15,000 unknown in our experience about 50% of the time they can be lead mm. uh, and so we always do caution, you know, if there's a known or suspected source of lead or, you know, to always, you know, filter water um, with your NSF 53 filter. But, um, yeah, that's what that's where that's where our inventory currently stands. And we do have a we do have a free lead testing program. I'll talk about that. So, okay. uh, to have those. 
So I'm curious uh, how DC went about assembling kind of the map of lead lines. If you uh, someone can go on your site, I, I went on there and kind of looked around a little bit, and it's a it's an awesome tool. You know, it's a pretty impressive map of like here's where these are, here's what we know, and I know, and this is a, a nationwide challenge for all for every community because I think there's issues with the records. It's like where are these things? That's one of the biggest challenges. Um, so how did you guys go about? You know putting together such a, a great digital tool and, and then what's your confidence in its accuracy? Yeah, that's a great question. So we published that tool, that uh, map online in 2016. Um, and that was the, that was our effort to, you know, arm residents with the knowledge and tools that they need to make informed decisions about addressing and mitigating their lead risk. And I was on the, I presented for the lead service line replacement collaborative yesterday on, and I touched on this, but one of the questions was from a, a smaller utility and he asked, uh, how do you, um, how do you educate your customers or how do you, uh, word, um, inaccuracy with data inaccuracy with records? And, you know, there is this balance between like transparency you know, you want to be transparent. You want to give this information to the public, but also them understanding that these are based on historic records. We don't have visual inspection data or excavation data for all of these for all of these records. So while we, um, when we first published that in 2016, it led to uh, or helped contribute to a an increase in you know people enrolling and led service line in our voluntary replacement program, uh, which is where we we'll pay for the public side, customer pays for the private side, we coordinate the work with our contractor to ease the process. Um, but, you know, it's when we're when we're talking about water utility data, it's so and so important that um, we're able to get that information, but also have people interpret that correctly, um, in order to make you know, those decisions. But we were we just recently actually this year, we had a we had a larger number of unknowns for private side data, um, and we went through our we QA QC'd our inventory, and in order to sort of um, cut down on those unknowns by more than fifty percent, we basically assumed the same material type for the public side, assumed it was going to be one continuous, and brought that over to the private side, which very which increased the number of lead lines we had known for the private side, but if that's a conservative way for us to have said, you know, these unknowns are likely to be led. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So lead lines, you know, but like we said, it's a, it's an issue in a lot of communities, especially in the, the older parts of the country. Right. Um, and they're still out there in great numbers. I think it's estimated there's over like 9 million homes in the U S that get drinking water through a lead pipe. Um, so aside from knowing where they all are exactly, what are the challenges with replacing lead lines? That's a great question. So I think that there's, there's a couple of, uh, a couple, I mean, there's many, many challenges. <laughs> I would group them in um, sort of the knowledge, the knowledge-based category, and then funding. So uh, knowledge, you know, we, with our lead service line map and, uh, we do, we send out mailers every year to those with known lead service lines saying, hey, this is what our data says. 
this is the replacement program that you can enroll in. Um, based on our data, you should get a filter, an SF53 certified filter, until you are sure that you've eliminated all lead sources. So, you know, DC, and being from the area, you know, DC is such a transient city. You know, properties are changing hands all of the time. And we have such a high number of rental renters, excuse me, um, and tenants that they don't know if they are uh, being serviced by a lead service line. So it's we use like aggressive promotion, um, you know, social media, but also these uh, bill messages, uh, bill inserts, more forms of traditional media for uh, other customers. And we are out in the community in full force throughout the year maybe with now i mean now current current situation yeah. not with <laughs> but um we go to hundreds of events every year um not just community you know fiesta dc and those sort of large-scale events but uh ANC neighborhood level community meetings about projects about lead uh senior centers um we go we do outreach to our senior center community about these uh these programs so um that first part knowledge uh, is it's so key to to get people on board um we also we offer free lead testing so that was in 2016 was our map that's when we actually started doing free lead testing as well in addition to you know our regulatory lcr sampling um uh, and post replacement lead tests. This is a test that a customer, if they have an unknown service line, any customer, uh, they'll email us usually and then say, um, you know, we, we'll give them a call or email them, you know, do you same family home, apartment building, you know, to sort of help them plan how they're going to test, stress the importance of that stagnation period mm. because we have orthophosphate in our water doing a great job uh, controlling corrosion our lead levels are historically low from our LCR samples. But, um, so we have to make sure that water's sitting in those lead pipes so we can get an accurate reading. And then they'll, uh, we send them sample bottles, sampling instructions. We pick them up from their house and we, it's important. We, we don't stress the number. So, you know, two parts per billion, five parts per billion, seven parts per billion. And then, you know, the federal, the action level, 15 parts per billion, it's hard for customers to grasp mm-hmm. what all that means. So we say no level of lead is safe. This test is a snapshot of your water quality at the time, and this is to help indicate if there is a source of lead, if there's a lead source present, if your lead, if your service line is likely lead, mm. so that they can you know, get that, um, that information and not necessarily – categorize their risk. Sure, sure. Well, I think you touched on one of the other challenges with lead lines is the idea that construction can disturb these things, right? So it's like uh, sometimes if you're going into an area and messing things up or trying to dig for lead lines, you're going to end up making the situation worse for that person on the other end of the tap, right? Yeah. Um, So we, every time we touch a, a or every time there's a disturbance to a lead line, we make sure our customers get flushing, uh, bilingual flushing guidance or filtering, um, filter kits. And uh, we do a weekly robocall for after replacements. Uh, we do a weekly robocall with those flushing instructions and a weekly mailer. We really, we really try to get them, you know, to, to flush because as you, as you touched on, 
particulate release of lead. A lot of people don't know when you have that corroded pipe, um, whether it's galvanized that was connected to a lead source or a lead pipe, at any given moment, orthophosphate could be doing a great job, but a piece of lead can get off, uh, break off the side and go right through your plumbing to your faucet aerator. And suddenly you went from an insignificant amount of lead release to uh, sky high. We just, we, it's, there's no way to predict when those particulates will, will, uh, will break off. So, yeah. yeah. One of the other big challenges you mentioned is, is the funding and finance, right? Dollars. <laughs> um, right. and I think this is a, it's, it's expensive relatively, uh, you know, to, to do a, a lead service line replacement, especially because you're talking about on private property, Right. And some homeowner is looking at three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, five thousand I don't know. I've heard three to five K kind of for it depends how much line you're talking about, all that stuff. And it's a good chunk of money for a lot of people, for most people, right? Um so one of the great things about uh, D.C. and the reason I want to talk to you guys is because of this new legislation that was passed uh, in 2019 that takes on this financial challenge. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, and it's been such a success implementing implementing those funds. So uh, in D.C., I should have mentioned earlier, the entirety of the service pipe is owned by the property owner. And um, it was in the 80s where D.C. Water, the D.C. Council amended the law to allow D.C. To, for, to make D.C. Water responsible for maintaining and repairing the portion in public space. And that was actually because of leaks, hmm. you know, cold weather and a leak in public space. And we couldn't do the work that was necessary. Um, and so they made they changed the law that way, which, of course, has implications for that service line replacement. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting. <laughs> this but, um, right. So this new law, um, DC water, we have our voluntary lead service line replacement program where, um, you know, we'll coordinate individual cases, but when we're doing a small diameter water main replacement, a whole block at a time, we do lead line replacements during those as well, connecting new lines to the, uh, to the main. And, uh, we are really trying to avoid partial replacements. We want to get the whole lead line out. And part of this law was addressing that. DC Water, we're committed to getting those, you know, public uh, or getting full replacements whenever possible. The problem is we're ratepayer funded. So we can't, you know, there's challenges with using ratepayer money for private property work and premise plumbing work. And so um, the district, the when I say the district, I mean the city, uh, Mayor Bowser, uh, district government. Um, they provided funds this past year for the first time that whenever we're doing a CIP project, um, 100% of the cost of private lead line replacement is covered uh, no matter what your income is. If you're in that project zone and we're the lead line and we're replacing it, 100% of your costs are covered, which was uh, which is incredible. Yeah. And we, I mean, is there another place in the in the country? Is there another municipality that has that deal going, or is that was that unique to DC? So, I would love to say it's <laughs> unique to DC, but I, I don't know if yeah. um, I think DC is an interesting case because we're an in, DC large an independent authority from the district government. You know, it's not our budget is separate, and there are some municipalities. I think I heard that it was maybe in Detroit where uh, they knocked on the door, and you know, they're Maybe and I can 
don't quote me on Detroit, <laughs> uh, that the city and the water authority uh, were saying municipally owned municipal, municipal government. And they were able to knock on that door mm. and say, oh, we're changing your lead line on private property too, wow. paying for it, don't worry about it, just sign here. Um, and again, I mean, yeah. different circumstances. But yeah, for us, for DC, um, this assistance was the first of, it, of its kind. And we had this project back in October on Franklin Street, Northeast. Um, and it was about 35, 35 homes. And um, we saw a response rate, participation rate, almost every eligible customer. There was one customer who, um, one house was vacant, one customer who um, didn't, uh, couldn't access their basement. It was a specific to their, to them. Uh, they refused the, the work, but uh, every other customer with the lead line said, yep, I would, I will, uh, I will participate, which is, uh, you know, that response rate. It's just, it's indicative that we had a high response rate before or a, a, a good response rate, but the funding is the big issue for yeah. customers who has those thousands of dollars lying around to just, and what if they didn't know there was a lead line? So this is, that's why it was just so significant. Um, and I should also mention that that same funding for emergencies, there was a leak on, uh, on a lead line and we are going out to change it. They customers could also have a hundred percent of their costs covered during those emergencies as well. Got it. Uh, one of the other things I thought was interesting about the legislation in DC is the uh, the requirement of disclosure. Um, yeah. What did the what did the the law what does the law do on that front? So that's a great question, or that's a great point as well. And uh, we're talking about this knowledge being um, a barrier for to action. And uh, I had several cases. I I was working primarily with. Uh, an outreach for DC water before I assumed this position in February. And so I, there were so many cases where I had a customer come up to me at an event and say, a resident come up to an event and say, um, I just bought a home and I'm being told now I have a lead service. And I'm like, congratulations on your first, on your home buy. That's amazing. And they're like, Oh, I just realized, I just found out I have a lead service line. I'm looking at a $10,000 bill. Is there anything I can do? And it's, you know, you can enroll in the voluntary program, um, but unfortunately, you know, we weren't we weren't told, and you you weren't told. So this disclosure part of the law, any landlord who's renting a property and any um, any property owner who's selling their property has to disclose whether that property has a lead service line uh, based on DC Water's data, and also the results of any water testing. Uh, lead and water testing that's been done for that property, which is great. And that helps to get to your, the thing you mentioned before is one of the challenges of replacing lines is the knowledge and awareness. Well, this helps to address that. So that's great. The legislation's addressing that piece and the funding piece. So good, good deal. Um, we've, we've, we've hit on this here, um, but I want to dig into it more. And that's the idea of environmental justice and, yeah. and why lead lines are, an environmental justice concern. It's really that they come with this incredibly high cost, right? Um, so yeah, could you talk about that? Yeah, and, um, and there's, we just uh, participated in a study with American University and Environmental Defense Fund, uh, Dr. Karen Baylor over at uh, American University. She's brilliant, her team was brilliant. Um, but they were working on looking at um, 
replacement data, DC Waters lead service line replacement data from 2009 to 2018. So 2009 is when that voluntary program started. And um, there are experts who can who can speak to this. Uh, there's a great couple of great books on the on the matter uh, that DC is a historically segregated city, mm. and that um, this team looked at um, the area uh, area deprivation index, which is, combines 14 social, economic, and demographic factors associated with poor health outcomes. And they found a statistically significant relationship between median household income, percentages of residents who self-identified as African-American or Black, and that area deprivation index. Um, so, And then they, looking at our data, they found that there were lower rates of replacement either during a CIP project um, where we're going doing small diameter water main and lower uh, rates of replacement through our voluntary program in areas with lower median incomes with higher higher percentages of African-American and black residents. Mm -hmm. So it was something that, um, and replacements, I, sh I should say, still the prevalence of getting a lead line replaced was still in line with the percentage of lead lines in that ward. Yeah. Uh, older wards tend to have more lead lines. Um, but it was it was significant showing that um, you know the impact of lead lines and the imp and the impact of or I guess the ability to to pay for these lead line replacements in Washington DC, there are significant there are significant differences between our black residents in DC and um, our other our other DC, other customers. So this law, the way that this law was incorporating equity, and this is one of the conclusions of the study, was that other parts of the country should look at this. Mm. Um, the law also set uh, made a new replacement program to a replacement program that was redressing partial deadlines. So these any property that has a partial deadline where we've done work. And either they didn't enroll, uh, change the lead line out when we were doing it, or couldn't afford it at the time, or whatever it is, um, that remaining lead pipe on private property, there's now a program where you can get financial assistance to change out that pipe. Yeah. Um, and that's based on your income. So 50% is covered for every resident, regardless of income, up to $2,500. And then there's two other categories, 80% and 100% based on. Yeah. So. Well, that I agree. That work by uh, by you all and American and, and EDF is terrific. I, I actually, just while we're talking, I put up a little graphic on the screen that shows the DC map and it shows the eight wards uh, and it shows customer-initiated, you know, lead line replacements, um, the percent kind of piece. And you can just see, as you know, if you know really DC and the way the demographics are, you can just see that very stark, you know, the Anacostia, that east side of the Anacostia there. And um, so it's it's very clear. Uh, the results of that that report and study are very, very clear. Um, right. it's, a, it's important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where, where do you all want to go? with this what's your what's your goal uh you've got all those thousands and thousands of lines um it's a it's a process what's what's your path forward so um i mean what what do we what do we want is always uh <laughs> to do funding to do funding to do so especially for the private for the private side you know you could have 
all of the tools at your disposal, maps, testing, you know, resources, the program set up, but if customers don't have funds in their pocket to help uh, their private side uh, replacement, then, you know, you can only move the dial so much. So um, connecting, uh, looking at funding sources to help out. We've worked with our sister agency, the Department of Energy and Environment, uh, administering these district funds and programs, but also applying for grants to help disadvantaged communities, um, particularly Ward 7 and 8 that historically haven't have been disadvantaged um, or maybe not invested in as heavily with district projects. So, um, but also we do about 500 replacements a year uh, and Mr. Gaddis, our, our CEO general manager, he started this program called Lead Free DC. It's an initiative for us to, for DC Water to eliminate all lead service lines in Washington, DC. Um, and we, we were looking at um, using that, it started as a vehicle to implement this new law. Uh, and it, now we're looking at how we can expand our capabilities to address more, hmm. to get more lead out of the city, what's gonna be needed. Um, you know, pursuing legislative opportunities and pol advocating for policy to help that, um, you know, leveraging our stakeholder relationships, whether it's the district government um, or local community groups to, you know, promote and drive awareness. But we are looking to eliminate all that in D.C. And that's not just lead, lead lines, but I mentioned in the beginning, we have a significant amount of brass hmm. service lines. And brass... That, out, that metal alloy, although it might not uh, leach lead at the same rate as a corroded galvanized pipe or an older lead pipe, um, it can still be a source of lead. And we're including that in how we are planning, planning to continue the replacement rate we're doing now, but how we're also going to expand um, to strategically address lead throughout the city. Yeah. So, I'm not, I'm really not familiar with brass brass lines at all. So I, I totally learned learned something today. That's uh, that's very interesting. DC Water is a is a major utility. You guys are a, a leading utility in so many ways, right? You have a lot of resources. Um, what do you what have you heard from other utilities that are interested in how you're approaching this, or what the model is, or like you know mid sized utilities, smaller utilities that are like we want to do something about our lead lines too? Um, are they are they coming to you guys for ideas and advice? So that's um, that's that's a great that's a great question. I will say when it comes to our data management and our map and our testing, you know, DC Water, we've always been. Um, a leader in the sector since our since our exceedance in the early 2000s, um, and the lessons learned for utilities all over the country, um, and we've led in innovation, and we do get we do get utilities uh, looking for advice, and we have that uh, blue drop as part of DC Waters Consulting, and um, but also I think that and this is the beauty of what I think the water sector and why I'm so energized by this work, um, and maybe it's because I came from Council of Governments in D.C., which is a regional cooperative. Um, but for the water sector, I've been, I've had, we're reaching out to other utilities who, like City of Richmond, who implemented a similar program to for uh, pipes on pr private property, and um, other other utilities, Denver Water, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, looking at, I just got an email this morning from someone 
who heard the presentation yesterday from New Jersey and their work and Newark. Um, so it's really, you know, I really admire how the water sectors come together um, to to address that this or to recognize this is a nationwide problem and that there's not going to be one silver bullet. There's not going to be one grant or one funding source that's going to change it all, that this is going to require a unique approach for every city, every town, every municipality. Um, and it's going to require, you know, uh, working together to get all of these perspectives and get everybody at the table to, to help come up with a strategy to, to get lead pipes out of the nation. So. Get them out of here. They're no good. <laughs> get the lead out. Get it out. John, it was awesome to talk to you. I'm glad we connected. Um, and definitely I'm glad we can, I can help share what's happening in DC a little bit with others. Um, but appreciate it so much. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe and healthy. And, uh, yeah, I had a great time. No I doubt. could talk about it all day long. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the water loop. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.